This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash almighty. That's www.audibletrial.com slash almighty. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. What's up, guys? Rugged Nation News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Format edition of the podcast today. Format edition of the podcast today. Um, we were gonna actually do a regular bail bag, and then um, you know the things happened, and now <laughs> now we scrapped that. And uh, sorry to the eight guys that sent in questions. We're gonna have to um, we're gonna have we're gonna have to get ten to those later. But yeah, right now we're gonna we're all about boogie. We're all about what happened this weekend. Um, you know, obviously the biggest story of the weekend uh, being. Uh, Kyrie Irving calling the Earth flat, and so that—that's what we're here to talk about. That's why we got this. That, that's why we got these four guys together. And yeah, I mean, th- there's no other reason. There's nothing's ha- nothing else of significance happened in the NBA this weekend at all. Uh, so let's go ahead and introduce these four guys. Um, obviously, me at Rennish Snoops on Twitter, Salman Ali, and Ben Dubose at Ben Dubose on Twitter, like host of the Lockdown Rockets podcast. How you doing, man? Doing well. How are y'all? We're doing great. Uh, also joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter, contributor to RedNationHoops.com. How you doing, man? I'm here. How's it going? <laughs> You're here. Uh, also joined by uh, Paul, a.k.a. at Rocket Intellect on Twitter. How you doing, Paul? Um, also here, alive and well, breathing, all that good stuff. I'm glad. I'm glad. So, um, let's We're go all ahead. doing better than... People would in Sacramento. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, it's probably about accurate. That's rough. Like I, I was watching Vladi Divac's press conference this morning. I mean, not this morning, just just like thirty minutes ago. But uh, and he just looked hungover. Like he he just didn't want to be there. He didn't want to talk to the media. Uh, and they were asking him all these hard questions. He was just dodging them all. Like and and like the biggest nugget to come out of that thing was that he actually had a better offer on the table that he declined two days earlier but let's get into it uh if you guys don't know what we're talking about right now we're talking about the kings and we're talking about the pelicans uh the sacramento kings have they finally pulled the trigger they finally traded boogie cousins after three years of speculation and trade rumors and chaos and king's nonsense they finally did it and uh they got their big coop they got their big coop in the form of buddy healed and a first round draft pick (laughs) And a bunch of other contract fillers. Um, okay, f- f- uh, first takeaway, guys. Like, like as, where where were you guys when this trade happened, and like, what was your immediate reaction? Uh, start with you, Ben. 
But before I get to that, I thought I'd take a second here and shout out our sponsor for the podcast, Audible.com. For you, the listeners of Red Edge News Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I personally recommend reading Seven Seconds or Less. That's what I'm reading right now. And it's great. It's by Jack McCollum. It's about the, the Seven Seconds or Less Sons and how uh, innovative they were to the, to the NBA. Um, what they what, The stuff they were doing was kind of ahead of their time. And yeah. To download your free audiobook trial, go to audibletrial.com slash almighty. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash almighty for your free audiobook. Yeah, the funniest thing, the Kings finally did it, and they did it in the most chaotic Kings way ever, doing the <laughs> trade during the All-Star game. You know, the NBA makes a big deal. One thing I've talked about the past week, I always tell people not to expect any Rockets rumors until this week, because the NBA definitely frowns upon, you know, having these leaks over the All-Star weekend, because they want the focus to be on the game and the events, the three-point shootout, the slam dunk. Etc. So most teams, they keep a lid on it, and then you'll finally start to hear a few rumors trickle out on Monday, such as the Wilson Chandler stuff and the Rockets. I know we'll get to that. But yeah, the Kings, no, they don't play by anybody's rules. And of course, in the fourth quarter of the All-Star game, the NBA wants the focus to be on the product and these guys going for, you know, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook for the MVP award then, yeah, Woj's Twitter feed is bigger than the game because, of course, you hear that, yeah, they're seriously talking with the Pelicans. Then Mark Stein confirms it. And, yeah, I mean, I basically didn't even watch the, the end of the All-Star game because I was more glued to my Twitter feed, which had an update like every other second, it felt like. So, yeah, kudos to the Kings for, uh, if nothing else, they entertain us. Uh, I guess we're all drawn to train wrecks. But, yeah, I just can't get over, A, the bizarre way it went down, you know, after the game. Boogie Cousins' manager tweeted out a picture of an airplane saying that they weren't even sure where to go. And, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was bizarre. And then the other thing that you have to think of with it, they really did not get much in return. Uh, you know, it's a, not the worst return in the world, but certainly after three years, that's what you traded Boogie Cousins for, Buddy Heald, and a first-round pick that's top three protected. For a guy who might be one of the five most talented players on the planet, uh, it was definitely an overwhelming end to the saga if not chaotic yeah and in the middle of all this uh anthony davis won uh mvp of the all-star game uh and so uh there was that to add to everything and uh yeah it was the timing especially like like, like uh, if you guys are curious like where i was like i was i was obviously watching the game with all you guys and um like you start see, you start seeing noticing that Demarcus Cousins only played two minutes during the entire All Star game, and you know like th- that's just something you noted because before the game, prior to that, like around six p.m., uh, you start hearing leaks that the the Kings were shopping him around, and you know, and, and the media like everybody everybody is at All Star break and everybody is asking the players about it, and and, and Boogie is getting bombarded with questions and stuff. So like this is what's everybody's what this is what's on everybody's mind. Like when an All Star plays only two minutes, and he's not like a bad All Star or anything. It's not like uh, Gordon Hayward on the West or something, right? Like this is like a legitimate, really, really talented player that's not playing, right? And like it immediately drew attention, and that's what really uh, got my first attention. And then obviously trade broke and madness happened. What about you, Forrest? Like where were you? What happened? Like what was your immediate reaction? What's going on? I was at home drinking and watching the all-star game and then twitter started yelling at me about uh you know vlade divac is looking at some things and talking to some people and it kind of cooled down right like it, there was a little period where it, it's the 
Woj kind of reported out that like, oh, they're not talking to anybody else. Uh, who knows? And I'd expect that it would just go into like the early week or something. But no, then just during the middle of the All Star game, I guess they just decided now was the time to strike. Uh, <laughs> they got to strike when the iron's hot, so you can get Buddy healed, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> this made the rest of the All Star game a little less interesting, I guess. Um, yeah, not and- that the All Star game is ever interesting, but. Yeah, it, it, I'm with you. Like, it, it, I thought nothing was going to happen. I really thought this was going to blow over, especially like when I saw the offer. I'm like, this is a joke. This, there's no way. Like, there's no way this offer is, this offer is real. There's no way the Kings pull the, pull the trigger. And, uh, you know, look what happened. Uh, <laughs> what about I mean, you, I Paul? I figured they'd do something stupid, but not immediately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you, you figured, like, they'd wait at least until the last minute and then do something, right? Like, it, and they did it literally during the middle of a game. And uh, it was the most king's way to do it. Uh, what about you, Paul? Like, what was your immediate reaction? Where were you? What was going on at that time? Uh, well, I was uh, not really watching the All Star game. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, shocker oh. for most people. I'm sinning, uh, I suppose, by not watching it. But what I was doing, like, I got like, uh, I have a wash alert on my phone and I was like just like trimming my hair and I see like a random uh, alert that DeMarcus Cousins alert slash tweet that DeMarcus Cousins was like being seriously shocked and I didn't really believe it. Uh, I had multiple tweets on the record saying that that would not happen and that I didn't believe it because I like it had happened so many times before and I just assumed that like nothing would develop, but something did develop. Obviously, uh, when you get offered the next Steph Curry, uh, you really got to jump on that. Uh, and Vivek jumped on it, jumped on it. I mean, when do, when do you get opportunities like that in life? Well, like when, when do you, <laughs> when, when do you get a jump on a, on a Steph Curry? Like that doesn't happen every day, right? The, the, the Kings got, they got lucky and got Seth Curry for like a season, but like Steph Curry, like when it's right in front of you, you, you can't pass it up. Right. And, um, you would have thought that Seth Curry was the next Steph Curry and they had him, but, uh, no, apparently Buddy healed. yeah. Yeah. And like, like the, I, I'm with Paul. Like I, like we've seen this report so many times, like we year after year after year, like at the deadline around this time, we always hear, "Oh, the Kings are shopping cousins." The Kings are shopping cousins. I was listening to the, the Low Post this morning, and Brian Windhorse was on it, and he, he had the same reaction. And this is executives and agents telling him that the Kings were seriously shopping him, and he didn't believe it himself. Like, and this is an NBA insider, and he was like, "Yeah, this is like the boy who called the the boy who cried uh, who cried wolf, right?" He treated it as such, and pretty much nobody except for Waj was taking this thing seriously, which is why fans were taking this thing seriously because watch doesn't report anything unless it's like rock solid right and like and that's pretty much how it was handled like in you know we started hearing leaks like the craziest thing about all of this was like like demarcus cousin's agent was telling was telling the media that like we had been promised we're not we're not going to be traded like like demarcus is not going to be traded vlade had told me like we're we're good right and i mean obviously like his agents kind of incentivized to stay in in Sacramento because of the new uh, designated player exception. And, you know, DeMarcus gets access to a 200 plus million dollar contract, which is ultimately will probably spark this deal. Um, have you guys heard the, the James Harden comparisons to this trade, by the way, 
Because like that's what I'm starting to hear a lot, and I'm, I'm I kind of agree with this. It's kind of one of the few trades where I'm like, yeah, that this is kind of like James Harden, right? Like a new CBA had been put into effect uh, where there are you know there's a stricter luxury tax, and teams are pen- are penalized to you know for the more money they have on books, and you know it's kind of a reaction to the LeBron decision, right? And um and as a result, the the Thunder didn't want to pay James Harden, and you know uh. James Harden basically forced his way out to Houston. And this is kind of a similar thing. Like, the designated player exception in the new CBA, a, a reaction to the Kevin Durant decision, forced the Kings to, you know, hey, we don't want to pay DeMarcus Cousins $200 plus million. And, they, and it sparked them to trade him to, uh, you know, the Pelicans. And, I mean, like, do you guys agree with that comparison at all? I do to a small extend i think it's the same dynamic getting quarters on the dollar i think there's an important distinction to throw out there that no real contender really showed significant interest even what we heard after the fact from Woj about the lakers maybe the mavs trying to get in i think there's a reason why contenders with assets boston you could also argue even the rockets i know we'll get to that in just a little bit but the rockets with the likes of clint capella and sam decker were not reportedly really in the conversations here because there are some real questions about Cousins' temperament. And Solomon, you know, you and I last night on Twitter, I think we said to each other on DM that we weren't even sure if we would support it. You know, if we were all in on him becoming a rocket, but you, you would have to, of course, at least explore the possibility. You would have to at least be open-minded to it because a player of that talent doesn't come along that much. So I'd say it's similar to Harden from the standpoint of a uh, player of that level not becoming available very much. And certainly it seems like they got... Um, you know, four quarters on the dollar. But uh, I wouldn't say that it's quite the James Harden deal because with Harden, there weren't those secondary concerns. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's, that sounds like this is a, a deal in which they're trying to cut costs a little bit. But yeah, James Harden was, first off, he was on the way up more. Like James Harden wasn't widely acknowledged as a superstar level player at the time. He was a little earlier in his career. Uh, I think it's fairly apt, but you know, nothing's ever exactly something else. <laughs> but uh, th- this is exciting, guys. How excited are you to see like a crazy trade that changes the landscape of the league? It's it's insane because like n- 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 now we haven't even gotten to the Pelican side of this, right? Like like we we, we were just killing <laughs> we, we were just killing the Kings all all the while for getting quarters on the dollar, right? And now by the way, by the way, one last Kings killer that I had to throw in. I meant to throw this in in the last comment and got sidetracked. But how ridiculous is it to see the Kings prioritizing cap room? This never ceases to amaze me. And you saw it a little bit with the magic in the Ibaka trade, but this takes the cake. The Kings apparently, according to Woj, their priority being taking back expiring salaries like Tyreek Evans. Who in the hell is going to sign with the Kings in July? If there's any chance for the Kings to rebuild their franchise, you essentially needed to take a step back build through the draft, you know, hope he'll pans out, hope a couple of these draft picks pan out, and then maybe in a year or two the narrative changes and you can go after it then. It cracks me up to see really bad teams prioritizing cap flexibility this summer because if you, you know, for a team like Sacramento or Orlando to sign someone in this coming free agency, they are going to have to overpay so much. I mean, it's basically a, you know, a Sacramento tax, an Orlando tax. I think a few years ago I had, uh, I had a couple of guys on me and Josh Reese's uh, Red and Orange Report back in the day talking about the Astros when the Astros were really bad. And the, the beat writer for the Chronicle at the time, Evan Drulich, 
called it an Astros tax and that players and free agency, you know, yeah, the, the, the Astros had money and there were these guys they could go after, but they were such a bad team that really the investment became really not conducive because you'd be paying a ridiculous price at which it wasn't a good deal anymore. And so, yeah, that's kind of how I feel like this with the Kings. Guys, who in the world is going to sign there unless the Kings overpay them by like 50%? And at that point, what's the point in doing the deal? Yeah, it's not like there's no max salary caps they can offer, like a, like a Steph or a KD or somebody like $40 million a year. <laughs> They're stuck with like middling dudes at like top dollar prices if they get anybody. Yeah, right. Like, it's going to be like the Detroit Pistons 10 years ago with the Ben Gordon thing, you know, that kind of. Yeah, like, and <laughs> at this moment in time, like, players don't go for the Kings just because they want to play for the Kings. They go they go with the Kings to restore their value. Like, you get players like Ray John Rondo, Darren Cawson, like, guys who are, like, like bottom of the league Ty guys. Lawson. Ty Lawson, exactly, right? You, you get guys who are, like, on the way out. They're on their way to China, right? And they want to make one last pit stop at the Kings to see if they can they can, they can can surge their value up, right? And, and, and like, Nobody goes to the Kings to play for the Kings, and like that's kind of the the, the image of this franchise over the couple the last couple of years. Like, it's it's a it's an embarrassment on not only the Kings, it's an embarrassment on the league that you know we have ownership like this. And I think Paul made a, had a good had a great tweet last night uh, when he was talking about how like the NBA came in and they forced Sam Hinkie out by bringing in Jerry Colangelo, right? And meanwhile, you have owners like like. Like Vivek Ranadive and uh, James Dolan, like making the look the league look ridiculous left and right, and you know, like all Sam Minky was doing was like he, he was tanking year after year, taking advantage of a good, uh, taking advantage of a uh, flawed system, and um, and you know, doing a good job at it. The, the the Sixers are one of the three best setup teams going forward, right? I think we can all agree on that. They have so many assets, and their assets actually took a spike last night because of that trade, right? And um. And like the league just doesn't step in for these te- these type of teams, and I'm I'm just kind of dumbfounded that they they did that with Hinky, and then they're not doing that with teams like like the Sixers, the Knicks, or like the other. You know, oh, I c- man, I could believe it. Uh, it's because you can fire a GM, but you can't fire an owner. <laughs> That's why you're getting into a big bar- like a can of worms here. This is a much bigger discussion uh, when you get into like stupid owners versus like uh, black eyes for the league. We could talk about that for like an hour. <laughs> yeah okay so let's go ahead and get into the pelicans because this is probably um the most intriguing part of this deal um you know the kings make themselves look like, make the kings make themselves look stupid every week uh this is this is a little bit more interesting that i i think del demps saved his job here right i i'm not sure if you guys agree with me i i think del demps definitely like he he, he went for the home run he, he landed it and he got he got himself a top 10 player to pair with another top 10 player. The fit is still in question, right? We haven't seen this on, on the floor yet. But Dell Demps was definitely on the way out. He was on the short list of general managers to, to be on the hot seat this summer. And and by doing this, like, he gave almost nothing, I mean, for a player of DeMarcus Cousins' caliber. And now the now the Pelicans are interesting, right? I was listening to the Red 94 podcast just like an hour ago, right? And uh, Rahat Huck, the host of that podcast, was talking about how suddenly that Pelicans and Rockets game uh, the, that's coming up is now must must see TV, right? The Pelicans are now a relevant NBA franchise. The the league has just dramatically shifted in like, and I'm just so endlessly fascinated by the the fit. Like I, I'm I'm wondering how the how the Pelicans are going to operate going forward. They still have cap space, which is pretty crazy. Like they they can still maneuver their way into ma- into close to max cap room this summer if they really wanted to. And they ha- they already have Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins bl- block like. 
you know, on their books for the next two years, which I just think is crazy. Hey, let's not bury the lead here. Here's what everybody really wants to know. What does this mean for Omer Oshik? <laughs> <laughs> Could he be a buyout candidate? No, I'm kidding. But... <laughs> This Southwest division is the wildest division in sports, and it always will be. Uh, Pelicans never change. I mean, I don't know if this makes them a good team. We have, I have no idea. Like you, I have no idea what this is going to look like. There's a good chance this will blow up in their face, but you got to do it. At that price, you have to find out. Like, what are they going to lose? Their yeah. ninth seed they're going to get? They had no other yeah, They had no other path to get an elite talent like that. Like, like if, if you look at their draft their draft picks going forward, if you look at, like, their their cap situation, if you looked at the, the amount of, like, the attractiveness of going to the Pelicans, like, there was no other way to get a, a guy like DeMarcus Cousins other than trading for him and the Pelicans just didn't have the assets and they managed to pull this trade out of their ass and now they're just like the most one of the most relevant teams in the NBA right now probably like one of the three most relevant teams in the West and I'm just and like you're right Forrest this could blow up in their face right but at the same time there's like a a 10% chance this works out and and the Pelicans just walked into something because of the Kings mismanagement. Yeah, and I'm really curious to hear Paul's take because I really respect Paul as, you know, an X's and O's type guy because personally, I don't know how Boogie and Anthony Davis are going to play together. You know, you rarely have one big like that in the NBA, let alone two. So in a league where everything is trending smaller, to have two bigs, basically a Twin Towers type setup, I guess the last thing I can really think of is, of course, Tim Duncan and David Robinson. But at that point, David Robinson was on basically his last few years. He was not really in his prime anymore. So it wasn't like two guys are basically, you know, still in their mid-20s. The thing that I'm really intrigued by, though, I wish they weren't in the Southwest Division. I wish the Rockets weren't playing them three games in the next 24. I wish they weren't, you know, a rival going forward. Because I would love to see it work out. Because one thing I really believe in as a fan of the NBA, and I think Gerald Morey does too, is that in general it's wise to kind of zig when everyone else sags. So you have so many teams that are going the, you know, pace and space. You look at the way the Warriors, the Rockets, these teams that are going smaller, adding more shooting, and it's really tough to beat a team like that trying to play the same way because they've got the better players, they've got more continuity, et cetera, et cetera. In some ways, the easiest way to go against a team like the Warriors or the Rockets might be to go to the other extreme, which is, of course, try and pound them on the glass, and that's what the Pelicans potentially can do with this setup i said after after the trade last night i would be really fascinated to watch a pelicans warriors first round series now i'm not giving the pelicans a chance in hell of actually taking four out of seven but i would just be intrigued to see if that style can work if that style can give golden state some problems because for a league that's gotten a little bit predictable in terms of it seems like a lot of the top teams are all kind of copying each other this is a team that's building different and it may not work at all but if it does it'd be really fascinating just from a you know, consumer of the league, uh, team building standpoint. Yeah, uh, there's their size uh, as a duo is going to be interesting. But the thing about them is uh, they're pretty modern bigs. Like they both, Anthony Davis, not so much. He's a good mid range shooter, but Boogie Cousins can really shoot from three. He's an above average three-point shooter for his position. I think he's shooting like 36% or something. They both can handle the ball and pass the ball. So they're like an evolved version of bully ball at this point. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to bully anyone like on post-ups or anything like that. But 
they can crash the glass and make it in- interesting without necessarily compromising spacing, which is something that often happens with like a team like Memphis, where Zach Randolph and Mark Gasol could often clog the paint a little bit. Uh, but with them, because Boogie Cousins can is coming into that uh, situation, being able to shoot threes, and Anthony Davis being a very good spot-up mid-range shooter, I think the fit is pretty great, actually. About as good as you could get in terms of like pairing two really good big men together. Yeah, and I'm with Paul. Like, and and the, the the thing that makes this so intriguing is like Anthony Davis is such a great cutter, and Demarcus Cousins is such a great passer, and like mm-hmm. especially from the elbow in, and that that's that can make for some fascinating high low action. And like, I, I'm I'm interested to see like a coach like Alvin Gentry, who's you know obviously a product of Mike D'Antoni and, and uh, the Phoenix Suns seven seconds or less. A coach like that, how he adjusts to this type of situation, right? Because you know he he was brought in to coach a team with. Ryan Anderson spacing the floor, Anthony Davis in the middle, and you know uh, Drew Holiday running constant pick and rolls, and now now this, the change the situation just just you know changed right under him, right? And now he has to adjust on the fly. I'm interested to see how he does it, and I and I want to see what kind of sets the Kings run, right? And I, I and we ha- we've seen variations of this bully ball kind of stuff in the NBA today, right? Just not with this kind of this, this level of talent, right? Like we see it with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert in Utah. We see it with Lamarcus uh, Aldridge and Paul Gasol in San. Antonio, like we see it with uh, Marcus Saul and Zach Randolph, as you mentioned in Memphis, right? And these type of teams do give um, you know teams like the Rockets and teams like the Warriors trouble, right? Like slowing the pace down, really going after the glass, like that really bothers teams that like to do sta- that like to do pace and space. I'm I'm I just want to see it in action. I just want to see like a couple high lows, like I, this Pelicans game. I really want to see. Uh, how many? How much of that high roll action they 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 run? And I want to see like just are they gonna run? Are they gonna run a, a double screen and roll? Are they gonna run a a, a Lamarcus? Not Lamarcus, just an Anthony Davis and a Demarcus Cousins pick and roll? Like are, like what kind of plays are we gonna see out of this? And like how are the, how are the the Pelicans gonna gonna round out this roster? Because they still need shooters, right? Like like um, guys like Solomon Hill aren't gonna cut it. Like they need to fill out the roster with some shooters. What are they gonna do with the deadline? Like this raises so many fascinating questions. <laughs> And I, and I, I they, I'm, I'm interested. They need more. They need more stretch big men. They need to have a whole roster of like guys who are like six foot seven and taller. An entire lineup. They need to get like really tall point guards, really tall uh, shooting guards and stuff. Look, I, I think they. I say just do it. Just run out all all seven footers the entire way down. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. I want to know this: Is he going to get back on an airplane and go to Sacramento, or is he just like he's just there now? What, what are they what? doing? I imagine like his stuff is in Sacramento, so I feel like he's got to go back at some point. <laughs> he can hire a guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, he'll have his guy. He'll have his guy go back there. Uh, every you know, every star and Demarcus definitely qualifies as that has their own guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he never goes back. Just yeah, go to my apartment or well, he's probably got a house. He's been there long enough. But yeah, clear it up. Uh, yeah, clear it out and bring it to New Orleans. I wouldn't want to go back to Sacramento. My favorite story like that, and of course, I can't imagine it's going to be like that. You guys remember, uh, this is a random side note, but Dwight Howard during the flood game in the Western Conference Finals two years ago, and of course he stayed overnight at Toyota Center with the fans, yada yada. Well, the craziest part of that story is, of course, the Rockets were going to Golden State for the next game, and of course most of these guys want to pack a bag, but he couldn't go home. So uh, yeah, he basically sent his guy, his manager, to try and get to his house to get his things, and uh, 
yeah, the manager just lost his car, just completely stalled out. And, uh, yeah, that was the end of the car. And Dwight never got his stuff. So, anyway, sorry. <laughs> just a uh, side note I had to throw in on that. He uh, should have sent um, the snakes. Snakes could have made it through the water. No, no. <laughs> yes. I enjoy these tidbits. This is what the podcast is about. Like, like people, people say this is a basketball. This is not a basketball. But this is a podcast, right? Like, is it, like we just we talked about flat Earth today, right? This, this is the kind of stuff we talk about on this podcast. Uh, so yeah, as it pertains, uh, can we, go, go ahead. Uh, can we talk about flat Earth for a yeah, second here? Because yes, yes. I really wanted to say how beautiful it is that the representative of the Rockets, the team which is criticized for being too nerdy and too analytical and like <laughs> yes. too into facts, was the one that beat the guy who said the Earth was flat. What a beautiful world we live in. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love the NBA. Whoever I love the that, NBA. Whoever did that Photoshop with Eric Gordon holding the trophy with the trophy <laughs> as the globe, that was amazing. That was incredible work. Yeah, like, and I love the NBA, man. Like, like you don't get this in other leagues, right? Like, you don't get a player coming out telling people that he thinks the world is flat. You don't, you don't get Tim Bontemps asking the commissioner Adam Silver if he thinks the world is round, and you, like, you don't get quotes like "Personally, I think the world is round." Like, you don't get that from Roger Goodell, right? You only get that in the NBA. This is why I love the NBA, right? Like, <laughs> this random <laughs> just happens in the NBA, and that that's why I love talking about this. I love talking about this league more than any other league, um, and. Like, and my favorite part of all this is like Paul was freaking out on Twitter about like let's not ask Harden if he thinks the world is flat like because like, <laughs> he was so convinced that I, I guess like Harden would come out and think it's flat or something. Explain your rationale on that on that Paul. Harden, uh, I think Harden is an against the grain type of guy. I think, he's, <laughs> I think his beard oh. shows his hipster mentality uh, a little bit, uh, and. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that he would say the Earth is uh, flat, but you know, the payoff isn't really great in my eyes because if someone asked him, uh, "Do you think the world Earth is flat?" if he said no, it would be like, "Okay, he's a logical person. That's nice. Whatever." If he had said, "Like, yeah, I think the Earth is flat," I. I would have been a tough time for me. Uh, would have been an unpleasant thing to deal with. You know, I'm in on this. Like, I, I like when superstars come out and say stuff like that. Like, it would have been so fascinating to talk about that on the podcast for days, just talking about how Harden thinks the world is flat. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that stuff's interesting. Like, like, like as soon as Kyrie, I, as soon as Kyrie said that, like, I, I went on Twitter and I went on Facebook. And I looked at like, like there are these groups on the internet that actually believe this kind of stuff. Like, if you if you could believe it, like, <laughs> there's flat earthers. Buddy, we yeah. can believe it. Yeah, like there's flat earthers and they have communities and they have like yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, but how this trade relates to the Rockets? <laughs> um, I think the the buyout market is going to be flush now with 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 talent. Like mm-hmm. I th- I think there's going to be uh, from the, from the Kings especially, um, and uh, potentially from the from the Pelicans. I, I think I think there's going to be a lot of players waived. Matt Barnes already got waived. And I think there's going to be a lot of players gettable, especially from, uh, especially from Sacramento, because I think they're trying to sell off. Uh, they're trying to sell off those players, those veterans that might help them win uh, for pieces that you know could help them in the future. Because they're 
pretend like you know if if no, normal organizations like this is what they do when, when they trade a superstar right they tear everything down like who knows if that's what the kings are doing all reporting <laughs> in, like the all reporting indicates that that's what the kings intend to do like they intend to uh sell off Aaron Aflalo and they t- intel, intend to sell off Costa Kufis and stuff like that and that's where I think the Rockets can really get in on this like I think the Rockets could go after a guy like Costa Kufis or a guy like them like Darren Collison like, they, like pieces that they need that fill out the bench what, what about you guys I thought it was pretty telling, that report from uh, Calvin Watkins a couple of weeks ago when he said that, that the Rockets had checked in on Jarrett Jack and Mario Chalmers but not made a move. Because really, it would have been so easy to make a move. Just cut Bobby Brown, bring in one of those guys. It absolutely was a need. We knew Eric Gordon was going through the back trouble. So for the Rockets, despite all that, to not make the move, that tells the, that told me pretty strongly that, yeah, Daryl wants to show some interest, but he thinks that somebody better than that might be available, you know, in a couple of weeks via the buyout market. And, yeah, certainly if and when that happens, the Rockets are as well positioned as anyone because they're in a unique spot of, okay, they're a top five team, but they're not the best. I think some of these guys don't want to go to the, to the Warriors. They don't want to be seen as, you know, a shameless ring chaser. The Rockets are a team that's closed without seeming shameless. And secondly, despite the Rockets having a pretty good team, there are spots in which you can get minutes. Specifically, the guards, you really only have three guards that are playable right now. So the Rockets have a unique combination of being a really good team that's a quasi-contender, but also for any of these guys that gets bought out, they can say they're contending for a ring, but there's also a viable path to minutes as well. So I think the Rockets are really set up well to uh, to do something in that market. Yeah, like... I, I just Go ahead. Oh, I was say I just hope that this disabuses the Nuggets of the idea that they're going to get in the playoffs and they're going to do something. They need yeah. to stop with that. They're not going to, but they need to stop with all that. Yeah, and the, that's actually relevant to the Rockets because the Rockets own their second round pick this year. So I mean, if the the, the worse the the worse the Nuggets get, the, the better the, that pick becomes. And if if the Pelicans manage to get to get into the playoffs this year and they, and they get that eight seed, and Portland and Denver are you know. Are out of the playoffs. Those are two pretty good second round picks that you acquired, um, and that's those are assets for the Rockets. And I, I think the Rockets actually might move a, a first or maybe a second rounder this year. Um, and I like I think the the door is kind of open to kind of dump uh, sack to dump Corey Brewer on the Kings now. And this is something I talked about on Twitter. Like 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 <laughs> you're a horrible person. Why would you want to do this to them? Yeah, I mean, and speaking. Speaking of, a little bit of a breaking news that just came out. Zach Lowe's got a new uh, column, just dropped it as we're recording this. But here's what he says on Houston, and I'll get you guys to react to it. And it's nothing shocking, but certainly it reinforces some of the ideas that we already have. Zach Lowe says, Houston is chasing a win-now move and may send out KJ McDaniels as a sweetener. McDaniels doesn't play mostly because of a busted jumper, but some teams should take a shot on him at the right price. If there's a lesson from the last half decade of NBA trades, it's this. When there's a rangy or athletic wing that has even a 10% chance of being decent, try to grab that player as a throw-in to a larger deal. Think about how teams landed Crowder, Middleton, Shumpert, Will Barton, and even Tim Hardaway Jr. You cannot have enough versatile wings. So that's Zach Lowe. What he says is happening. Uh, When now move, that sounds exactly like what you would expect. And of course, Wilson Chandler would absolutely fit as, uh, you know, that criteria. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, I, like I, th- I thought KJ was the player from the Rockets that was most likely to get traded at this deadline. Um, and, it, and if you're gonna move a guy like Brewer, if you're gonna move like a- any sort of co- like big salary, like moving, uh, moving KJ as a sweetener is so- is definitely a a wise move because I think teams are willing to take a flyer on him. Like, I, I mean, the Rockets took a flyer on him la- on t- two years ago, and there and he's still pretty young and he's still very athletic and you know like. He can do some things, and I, I, I think, I think there are teams that actually believe in KJ, and I, I you know, I, I believe in KJ. I've said this on past podcasts. Like, I, th- I think he could be a good player. So I think, I think he's worth throwing in for a deal, uh, for the rock from the Rockets standpoint. I think, I think teams would go after him. Yeah, uh, the the wording on like uh, the wording choice was interesting. I thought uh, hearing the word chasing was uh, pretty jarring for me because i don't really think of moray as a like a move chaser or a trade chaser uh so if they are really that invested in getting like another wing then that's very promising for me and it's good confirmation to get on that note also in this column uh phoenix is taking calls on most of its veterans with pj tucker the best candidate to move so if if pj tucker is on the move you got to figure Daryl's at least made one call, right? Like, and if they, and like, cause, like, cause the Rockets badly need another wing. And like, we've talked about this on past podcasts. Like, if the Rockets can get their hands on a PJ Tucker, that dramatically strengthens that, that wing unit. Cause like, Trevor Reza is just having to do too much right now. And if, um, and if you can get a guy like PJ Tucker or Wilson Chandler to back him up, I mean, that's a really solid rotation. What do you guys think about all these rumors that are coming out right now? It's great. I love rumors. <laughs> then maybe something will happen. Agreed. I'm I'm not really keen on PJ Tucker uh, as a player overall, but uh, you know, I guess he's I I think he's a slight upgrade over Corey Brewer. Slight. So I get. Yes. Oh come! Stop yes, it! Slight. Stop, man. Like slight. okay. Okay, all right. Uh, I think we're going to end on that note. Uh, so that's it for the Renish News Podcast. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, give us a good rating on iTunes if you do the podcast. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoyed our conversation about the world being flat. Tell us in our iTunes review. Uh, and and if, you hated the, if you hated our podcast, uh, give us a five-star rating anyways. That's just being a nice person. And it helps other people find the show. All right, guys. Good night. <laughs>